0: Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the coolest things about having the students back on campus for us is the banter that goes among the kids. And they talk and talk and talk and yap and yap and yap. And of course, after being quarantined at home for so long, they seem to be so filled with energy. It's absolutely fantastic. I think the group that I like to listen to and kind of horn in on the conversations the most are the middle school boys. Maybe that's because I remember that as one of the best times and one of the most difficult times of my life. The boys are always behind the girls. The girls start to look like young women and the boys continue to be kind of immature, physically and emotionally. And so the boys will talk about the most inane things. And you listen and you laugh and you smile. There's a little piece of me that would love to go back to me living in a seventh grade time. And here's a seventh grade conversation. I want your Twinkie. I'm not giving you my Twinkie. I love Twinkies. Well, if you love Twinkies so much, then why don't you marry it? (laughs) Seventh grade. Humor. Everybody laughs, and the boys around the table spew their apple juice on one another, pass milk through their nose, and do what seventh grade boys do. And they wait with that comment for the next victim to say that he loves anything inanimate and anything that would then allow him and his heart to be leveraged for the humor of the group. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? In our text today from 1 John Chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. These words of the text, words embedded in between almost two poetic pieces, two words that, two uh, sections that that speak to, to young men and old men, to young women, to sisters and brothers in the faith. And embedded in the middle of those two sections is this Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. It was an interesting week in the light of the world. The way the, the world ebbs and flows, it was a pressure-packed, pressure-cooking Week in the world. And if you love the world, and the world forms your thinking and your heart, and and if the world delivers the equilibrium you need in your life, then it was a rough week. The world was on fire. The world was sick. The world was fearful. The world was chaotic. The world struggled with death and with violence. The world this week, these last six days, never really, the world never got its footing this week. Even to the point where in the last couple of days, everyone thought everything was going in a kind of a more open way. And, and then Judge Ginsburg died and more pressure from the world was packed into the world. Well, if you love the world so much, then why not marry it? If you love the world and you think it's so great, then why not marry it? And part of the problem with marrying the world is that the world is not focused on what is good and what is excellent and what is praiseworthy. In the words of our text, the world is focused on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that makes the world a fickle spouse. If you marry yourself to the world, you find strength in the values of the world. For the eyes of The world go from thing to thing, from that to that. The heart moves from passion to passion, filled with pride. And the pride ebbs and flows with success and failure, being pumped up and overly inflated when things are good and being deflated and despondent when things don't go according to the way of the world. Or others say, you're not living up to the way the world would have you live. Even in the Old Testament, this language is used. I'm not making this this up. Even in the Old Testament, vivid language of spouse and faithfulness is used. The prophet Hosea was asked to take on for himself an adulterous wife and to have children with her. The life of Hosea was a living object lesson of being married to someone who is unfaithful and remaining faithful to that individual. God painted a picture wherein... The people of Israel, the unfaithful spouse chasing the world, and God, God is faithful. That's the peace. If you love it, why not marry it? If you think it's so great, then why not marry it? Now, look at that line from another perspective. When we turn over and over again to the economic, political, political, sociological, and other anthropocentric systems, we find ourselves feeling like we've been cheated on, lied to, and betrayed. The world makes for an unfaithful spouse. For a person not dialed into Jesus, the world is all they have. What a painful life that must be. Every headline, every tweet, every little bit, the equilibrium of their soul living for, for that. Later on in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks, these words, see what great love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God, for that is what we are. And later on in chapter 3, verse 16, these words This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Well, if you love them so much, why not marry them? I wonder if the Father said that to the Son in heaven. If you think those people are so great, why not marry them? Why not connect yourself to them? Why not leave the throne of grace, the throne of heaven? and wed yourself to the people that we created. No dowry, no wedding ring, no long engagement, but God in Christ has married himself to you and me, has married himself to all humanity. And in the words of St. John, Christ himself has laid down his life for us, the faithful for the unfaithful, the humble for the prideful, the obedient for the disobedient, that we would have the love of the Father lavished upon us. He is the faithful spouse. He is the faithful one to forgive, to love. And our lives rest on His faithfulness. And our lives, all of our lives, the health of body, soul, and spirit, of mental, physical, and spiritual equilibrium, Find hope and rest in the one who has been faithful to his people, Jesus Christ our Lord. While the world is fickle looking for the next great thing, God is faithful. And while the world's view of itself and people and whatever else changes moment by moment, God's love for you and Christ is constant. While the world's appetites change with the seasons of life, God's love stays with you and walks with you through the big seasons of life, such as which we're going through now. A time of quarantine, a time of upheaval, times where the whole world is kind of wondering what's coming next. And yet the Lord says, I am with you, and I love you, and I am faithful to you. And with the, micro, and with the macro seasons come the micro seasons as well. Those moments in our own heart, those moments in our own relationships, those moments in our own families, where each of us in our homes, each one of us in our hearts have to kind of make sense of who we are and where we're going. And it's there that the Father has lavished His love upon us, that we should be called the children of God, for that is what we are you love them why not marry them and God said to his son you go and redeem them a faithful sacrificing Savior is exactly what humanity needs and exactly what I your God will deliver to you God is close God is faithful one more piece from the text St. John writes, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The world moves from season to season, and right now we are in an intense season, especially in Southern California. I get text messages from my friends. They say, are you moving out yet? And I said, there's no way I'm moving out. The opportunities in California are too great. There's no way. And we see that day by day and bit by bit. The orange sky this last week was called apocalyptic. The the election cycle has had more pressure fused into it with the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The world keeps adding and pumping and driving in more and more pressure. And as Christians, we don't turn into ourselves or out to the nuttiness of the world. Rather, we turn to the will of the Lord. And here's the will of God. From 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. The will of God is this, that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The will of God is this, that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. With all faithfulness and passion, we turn to our mission. Instead of turning to despondency and depression and apocalyptic hoo-ha, we turn back to the will of God. We work by the Word of God to lead others to a faithfulness and a peace that's only found in Jesus. Doing this corporately this morning. Doing this corporately Monday through Friday in our schools. 150 new families to St. John's School. Some for the first time hearing the truth of Jesus Christ. And so God's will is done here corporately as a church, speaking, loving, giving, listening, caring, visiting, bearing, singing, playing, and so on and so on. But God's will is also done in our personal lives as we in our homes and families deliver the peace of Christ and the faithfulness of God to those who we know and love the most and best and who are the closest to us. As we focus on the values of faith and hope and love, we bring peace and strength to those with whom we live and those we love the most in the world. Not only as we gather here face to face, but as you all gather in your homes this morning, you look around at those who you love in a peaceful moment at a peaceful time where maybe just for this little bit we're out of the way of the world and immersed in the faithfulness of god the will of god is that all people be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth first timothy 2 verse 4. and the will of god here from our text is that people serve that people find a way to reach out to people. St. John, now an old man, the elder statesman of the Christian movement, had watched the Church of Jesus Christ make a difference in each and every town, in each and every community that the gospel touched. In Jerusalem, the the Christians made such an impact, showing love by feeding and caring for widows and orphans. In Corinth, they provided resources to help others. In Philippi, they encouraged St. Paul St. John's colleague, St. Paul, each church made a difference in doing the will of God and emulating the love and the faithfulness of Christ. And while we don't remember all the political leaders and all the big shots and all the local things that went on in all the little cities as the Christian movement spread, we do remember the kindness and the love recorded for us in the book of Acts and throughout the epistles of St. Paul the grace and the love that, gained, that was demonstrated with hands and hearts and voices. The will of God is that we would love our neighbors as we love ourselves. That is the will of God. And so together this morning, there's a few of us here in the sanctuary and there'll be a few of us in the auditorium and I can tell you this, it's actually kind of interesting knowing who's coming to church and, and knowing who's going to be here. I get already start praying this morning, kind of in the dark. Pastor Trevor and I and Jen McCloud were in and I get to see the list. And I said, no, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. And able to pray and think and be connected to you through faith in Jesus Christ is a powerful, powerful thing. And while we live in the world, we are not of the world. And I'm reminded of the list of people who are here this morning represented beautifully and those who are in their homes and lives, their homes and their families. In a season like this, how important it is for us to be connected to God, our faithful, faithful Savior, in a season like this to be connected to one another with the love lavished upon us by the Father himself.